Hey Mike, I have a sneaking suspicion that there are all these forces in my life that are bleeding me dry. Am I right to be suspicious? Yes, and wait, how come, are we still with the cold open? I feel like we've done it every time now. Is this like It just happened, thing? that was the cold open, and this is Financial Life Planning. I'm Matt Robeson with my co-host and our resident expert on all things financial and otherwise, Mike Morton. You're sort of an expert on life, living daily life. Well, you're, you, you, yeah, you're, you are an expert in the sense that you have one. That's right, um, there you go. You're a practicing liver, good for you. All right, besides accomplishing the fact that you are still alive, you are not singing with the choir invisible. You have a topic today that is really interesting. Do you know the ongoing cost? What do you mean? So it struck me in a number of ways recently in my own life, how we have these purchases that you might have, you know, a home, a car, a dishwasher, anything that's a little more expensive. And it's not just the upfront fee, however much that costs, there's a lot of ongoing costs that keep hitting you over and over and over again. And so I really think we need to be more aware of this. I need to be more aware of this upfront going in, understanding it's not going to be just a $10,000 thing or $100,000 thing. It's going to be, there's going to be maintenance, ongoing costs, et cetera, that I need to budget for and be prepared or make a different choice. You're talking about kids, right? This is basically <laughs> what we're really trying to get to is, do you realize it's not just the hospital bills? You've got years, decades ahead of you. Yeah, all right. Oh my Fair goodness. Enough. I wasn't no, even mean... going to go there. Yeah. But you... <laughs> yes. yes. But it's let's, funny let's you say that. ourselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so expensive. Yeah, I do have friends that are having kids. Matt and I have kids that are slightly older, but we have friends that are like still having babies. And you just look at them like, Man, do you have any idea how much this is going to cost? The most devious and I, actually, I have to say this in the best possible way. The most obnoxious moment in my relationship with my brother-in-law came when he showed up to be helpful to our house. We we're living in New Hampshire at the time. He drives up with a big pickup truck because he's a farmer and he's got one of these things. And it's filled with stuff for the kids because his kids are older than my kids. And... The whole time that he's unloading stuff, he's cracking himself up. He's laughing. Right. And it took me a little while, like, till maybe like later that night when he left, to realize he was laughing at me because now all this stuff is mine. And I'm like, thank you. I'm not trying to be ungrateful because, hey, I am grateful to get stuff. Believe me, I'm, we're lucky right. in, the, in this world to have stuff. Right. But that was an act of kindness. I'm just not sure for so whom. Good. Anyway, all right. We're waiting. Even that's that. a good even that's a good one, Matt, because you got this stuff, it cost you nothing except ah, Except <laughs> now I gotta <laughs> fix it and store it. And store eventually it. I gotta get rid of it all. That's which right. turned out to be not as easy because I'm not a farmer and I don't have one of those trucks. But you're really what you're really talking about here is your home, your car, your stuff. This sounds like a George Carlin routine. You've got stuff and you've got places you need to put your stuff. That's right. That's right. So let me, but let me tell you a story about a small way that this comes up because at home, and we'll get to the home example because that's a really good one you need to budget for. And I work with my clients all the time on like the ongoing costs of home. So we're definitely going to talk on that. But here's one that you don't really think about. So this is going to be a personal story. I have, I live in a pretty nice house. Matt's been to it's, my house. Your house is nice. It's nice. It's nice. Okay. So I'm a me, little concerned about the height of your ceiling in your living <laughs> right. room. It's cavernous, but otherwise- right. A plus house. There you go. So let me describe it a little bit so you get a, a picture. We're fall New England. 
it's gorgeous outside right now as I come up the road. Leaves are falling, oranges and reds. My house is a 100-year-old barn that's been redone in my small New England town. It's been in this town for a long time, and it was a brand new house like 15 years ago. You come in off the, the lawn, and the outside is this sort of craftsman meets Japanese. There's a beautiful pergola out front with blacks and deep reds and forest green on the outside. And as Matt described, you come into the house and it's this very large barn, two stories high with the original ceiling and the floors are just this beautiful tiger maple, striped maple flooring. Made it's from gorgeous. real tiger, by the way. It's real tiger. I think so, it's illegal, but go on. It's this gorgeous home that I get to that I get to enjoy. Now, upstairs we have a bathroom that needed some redoing a little while ago. And so we did all that and we put in this really nice valve. So you get a picture of the house and kind of the inside and we put in this really nice shower valve that's got these little press buttons. There's two different places the water comes out in the shower and it's got these really nice little press it on, press it off inset in the wall just like gorgeous silver right well now you're just giving me bathroom envy man like you're making me feel bad now here's where we're going hold on the valve was not inexpensive but it was like i don't know hundreds of dollars instead of sort of like 50 or or 80 bucks okay not a big deal because you're like hey it's really nice looking you know what i mean then you got to install this thing and we did this five years ago and it doesn't fit that well on the wall. And we had to redo the plumbing. So you're opening the wall. So the installation was probably like a thousand bucks. Getting the plumber in there to install this really nice valve. And then it's all in there. It's been great. We recently had to redo some of the bathroom, right? Redid that, spent money redoing stuff. And because I had this nice valve, a higher end valve, it doesn't quite fit. And I had to get the plumbers back today. This happened today, Matt, this morning. And they're like, yeah, hmm, we're going to have to move it an eighth of an inch and redo all the plumbing to get the valve to work, to fit where it should be. So now it's gonna cost me another, whatever, 500, 800 bucks to get the plumbers here for a day to redo all the plumbing again. So what I'm trying to get at here in this story, I spent one time a few hundred dollars for a very nice thing, and now it's costing me a lot more ongoing costs, maintenance costs for owning something that's a little bit higher end. And so going in eyes wide open, these things are not a simple three, $400 decision versus an $80 decision. It might kick you down the road. Uh, much like your, your kids, which, you know, <laughs> also right. will do that. Yeah, you're, you're right. You were right. You're right. You cured me of my bathroom envy with that. And it reminds me a few years ago, I was really into the idea of pitching a book to a publisher called Why Is Everything a Pain in the Ass? It, this is like the sine qua non of, yeah, everything is ultimately a pain in the ass. But this kind of thing does come up a lot. I'm always talking to my wife about it's this fallacy, this mental trap of, oh, we had an extraordinary expense this month. Who could have foreseen that we would have to fix the shower valve? Who could have foreseen that this is the one month we get the property tax bill? The reality is that individual things like that are hard to foresee. But taken over time, this is what you do in a kind of probabilistic whole portfolio sense, for sure, it's 100% that you're going to have a portfolio of all of these expenses. And they're somewhat predictable, I think is what you're getting at. Two comments. First, yeah, I laugh because all of my clients tell me that. 
oh yeah, we should work on your, you know, let's predict the future, how things are going to work out, you know, income and expenses. So pull some actual expenses from a few months or the last year. Let's see what your expenses look like. Oh, Mike, here's my expenses, but take, don't think of these three things because they were one-time expenses. We're not going to have those again. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, sure. Those are those ones. <laughs> but what about the ones that happened six months ago That's or right. a year ago that will come up again from time to time? Yeah, they come up all the time. So we'll talk about that. And then, yeah, these things, it's the ongoing expense, right? And so I gave a small example, but the home is one that we get back to all the time, right? So your home, there's always things going on in your home. It needs maintenance. And so we budget in what I do, the typical, the average is one to 2% mm. of the value of your home is going to be the ongoing cost. Oh, is that, is that like the, the rule of, th that's really useful. Yeah, that's the rule of thumb. So if you have a million dollar home, 10 to $20,000 a year in upkeep and maintenance. Now this gets back to what I was saying about the shower valve. See, if you've got a $500,000 home, it's a nice home. I'm speaking in my area. Okay. I live in New England, mid Atlantic, New England area. We have expensive stuff. We're outside of Boston. If you have a three to $500,000 home, it's very nice. But you can get away with spending five to ten thousand a year just upkeeping stuff. As you ratchet up and things are nicer on the outside of your home, the inside of your home, the neighborhood you're in, things get pricier. And I'm telling you, it's just more carrying costs. So again, these are the kinds of things going in with eyes wide open. Hey, I can afford an eight hundred thousand dollar home. Yeah, and eight to sixteen thousand dollars a year of maintenance. And that's not insurance, property tax, any of that, just literally maintenance. This comes up all the time as a budgeting matter in the realm of cars. I used to run a congressional office and we would, you could actually get reimbursement for your own vehicle miles traveled. And there's a federal rate for this. This isn't like a special perk for members of Congress, okay? And like their staff, this is like, Anyone who works for the federal government who's doing official business can get this, okay? Don't send us, don't send us letters. Send us letters. Send them to Mike's barn. Wait a minute. He has plenty of headroom. He can store them in his voluminous attic. Yeah. That's right. I was shocked to discover that the rate of federal reimbursement per mile is like, at the time, it was a decade ago, it was like above 50 cents a mile. turns out that in 2016, according to AAA, the cost of operating and, uh, and owning an average sedan was about 57 cents per mile, about 8,500 bucks per year. That's $713 per month. That's staggering. And it just, I never made the connection in my mind. I used to do like a household budget. I kind of did. Like I would budget for gas, but I never <laughs> really included in the budget. Hey, you know what? Things happen. Cars need repairs, and with certain cars, they constantly need repairs. They're more like things you pay to keep in a shop. And yeah, 57 cents a mile, That's it's pretty predictable. So says AAA. Yeah, it's interesting. The, one of the reasons this has come up for me recently, again, Matt, is because I'm in the car business, buy, car buying business. I'd have to replace a car. So we'll be talking about that on a future episode. <laughs> I'll give you some insight into that experience, but it's the same thing, the ongoing costs. Um, of, of that car. And it also reminds me like EVs, right? We're not paying for gas. So your gas budget goes out the window, but people don't really mentally appreciate that, right? That it's this ongoing expense. And so EVs, you see it right there. Hey, 
it'll be 5,000 a year, right? They show you like right there at the very top, they add it up and give you the whole thing for the whole year, 5,000, not 50 cents a mile. You're like, whatever, 50 cents, no big deal. But no, it's gonna be like 3,000 bucks every year. And they even do it over like a five year. You're gonna own this car for six years and you're gonna save $15,000. So they know that we don't mentally add up the little, little drops, you know, kind of throughout the year, but you gotta put it into bigger terms. It's at least, with homes and cars, it sounds like there is a well-developed shorthand that we can use. One to 2% of your home value, that's super easy. I never knew that. I'm gonna start reckoning it. It's, and then cars, it, yeah. And that's, that's a really good one too. So let's talk about the home and then we'll kind of move on to some, some other aspects. But sure. what I love about the home, you think, now wait a sec, Mike, nah, I don't spend $10,000 a year on my home, but just add it up, man. A little like an appliance needs replacing, you got to get a repairman out for something. You need a handyman to fix this or that. You put in some time and effort, you know, it's, it adds up throughout a year. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely one to 2%. Well, and there's another piece of this that I know you want to get to here, but there's the saying in economics that there's no free lunch, meaning like at some point you have to pay the piper. You, there's a, an expense to everything. And when it seems like there's not, it's an illusion. So <laughs> you could tell yourself <laughs> that eh, I can find a way around this. I guarantee you that's not true because you could, for example, skip some of these things. But what you find over and over again, and I'm sorry, this is a bummer. It's just, it's a fact of life. What you find over and over again is that you defer maintenance on things. It costs more later. We're already cringing about, we're not planning to sell our house anytime. Like we want to essentially grow very old in this house. Our, our, our model is grow as old as we possibly can in this house. But if we ever had to sell it, we're like, oh, the windows, the windows are tragic. And we know it's like thousands and thousands of dollars. Maybe if we don't look at them, they will go away. Um, <laughs> you look out them. You look right through them. So that's fine. Right. Oh, exactly. That's true. <laughs> See, there you go. And the other way it comes out. So, I mean, you, you can take that mindset, but you're going to have to pay for that eventually. The other way it comes out is in your time. And you can tell yourself, oh, you know what? I'm going to find a way. Think about the car example. It's, I could probably reduce this if I really shop around for insurance. As a guy who just switched insurance, I went from the lizard to the peppy lady. <laughs> I, I, as a guy who just shifted insurance, I can tell you that took me about four hours. It was about four hours of my time. Mm -hmm. And at the rate that I'm paid in some of my other work, not here. Like not here. Here my rate is <laughs> through even your roof. All it's right. too high. But that is a significant imputed cost. That's a big deal. So there's just, I don't think there's a way out of this. Yeah. And that's the other point about this is some of these purchases that we have decisions that we make to bring into our lives uh, have a time component as well, right? So you can think of a, of a car. If you want to save some bucks and get a, a slightly used car, or older car, it might take you more in taking it to the garage, which has a money component, but also a time component. Like that's a hassle. You've got to do that. And certainly when it comes to your home, I can tell you firsthand, man, I've owned a couple of different homes and the larger the property, the home, the property and everything, the more time it's going to take you to deal with it, whether it's your own, hey, I'm going to go and mow the lawn and clean things up, or you have to go and hire people and you've got to find those people and make those calls, just like you're in changing insurance example. 
oh sure, I know I'm going from A to B, but it still just takes a lot of calls and clicking and figuring out and decision-making, decision fatigue. Of, right, because hey, everything know, is a pain in the ass. Because everything is a pain in the ass. When are you writing that book? <laughs> I, you know what? It's, it's the best idea I've never followed up on. You know why I haven't are followed you, up wait. on it? Because I have insufficient time. It's a pain in the ass. That's why. Yeah. But, it's, but it's also because I have insufficient time and it does kind of go back to your core point here, which is I've talked on this show before about the fact that we made the momentous decision to move our kids from a public school to a private school. That has a financial cost. Very easy to calculate. You know why I know it's easy to calculate? <laughs> because I get the freaking bill every month and it bites. OK, but what I did. No, it's easy. Calculate. It's easy to calculate because it's all your money. <laughs> it's all, it's all, it's all your money. That's it. <laughs> Why did they ask for my paychecks to just direct deposit? Direct deposit. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) What I didn't figure at the outset and became painfully clear to me later was this school is just under half an hour away from me. That means that unless I've got carpools going, it's an hour a day for every day that I'm doing the back and forth. That adds up to a lot of hours a week. And all joking aside about my pay rate, those lost hours, there's no free lunch. It's got to come from somewhere. And it's an opportunity cost of money I'm not making or other things that I'm not doing. It all, the squeeze comes out somewhere. It's like one of those toys when you were a kid, like those, you could squeeze those little tubes that were meant to shoot out of your hand. Yep. What were those things called? Like when you can just <laughs> I know what you're talking out. about. Yeah, it's like the, they call them a snake or something because it would like yeah, like the snake like... or something, and you could make them like balloon out, and it's like right. yeah, the squeeze is gonna happen somewhere. It's a good point, and we talked about that before. Remember, we talked about the logistics of your job. In this case, it was a job. If you're looking for a new job, the logistics of that are really important, and it's the same. And it's hours and hours. Some of these decisions. We had a similar one. One of our our kids, we drive them to school. And it was definitely part of the thinking. It's I want to do the best thing for my kids, of course, but this is going to be a pain in the ass. Right. <laughs> like drive it each way all the time. And it's important. And, and it is important, I do think, to, to put that in the context of, yes, you want to do it uh, the best for your kids, but for your family. And if it's going to, if some decision is going to add a lot of stress to the parents and therefore to the family situation, don't just say, oh, this is the right thing for my child to make this decision, whether it's a sporting event or a club or a school or whatever. Think about it in the context of your family life and how much that's going to impact everybody and the way they're growing up. So I think all of those things are really important. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. Can I inject what I hope you're going to agree with as a piece of good news about this? Because I feel like we're, we're really piling on here, people, like the, like the hate mail that people are going to send me. Or maybe the lizard people are going to come out because I, <laughs> That's right. I went with flow. Right away. <laughs> yeah, I, I fear the lizard people. I think this is a situation where being forewarned is being forearmed. And there are things you can do simply by knowing. I've already r- learned a rule of thumb here that's helpful. For one thing, the good news about the, yeah, I spent four hours of my time ultimately making this switch and I'm on the phone with customer service people and there are problems and I have to make 15 calls and get letters and all that crap. But given the amount I saved, 
it actually works out to more than my pay rate. I saved a lot of money. Now I should be, we should be getting sponsored yeah. by Progressive. And, slow. <laughs> and there are, like with all of us, we, we all lead busy lives, right? There are sometimes solutions, at least if you can look ahead and see where the pinch points are and plan around them, if you're not surprised, there are generally right answers here. It doesn't make the fact that there are all these ongoing costs go away. It just means they're manageable if you plan for them and you're and you're aware of them in advance. Exactly. I think two two big things, two takeaways from here at this. One is the budgeting exercise. We mentioned the home or the car, or whatever it is. Really make sure that it's part of your ongoing budget to support all the things that are part of your life and you need to keep them up and whatever it is. And with that in mind, so knowing one, I've got this budget, here's how much things cost. Because people tell me all the time, Matt, like, why is everything so expensive? And I'm like, look at all the items in your life. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're expensive. There's that budgeting aspect. But then the secondary piece is knowing that, trying to make smart decisions in the future. And I don't mean just tomorrow or next week, but five years from now, 10 years from now, is this the home you're thinking about moving homes? You're thinking about getting a new car? You know, put it all together and say, is this really, is this really what I want? You're thinking about getting a pet, an animal. Is this really oh like a commitment, you know, that I want to make for time and money um, and really kind of think it through knowing, you know, look backwards and say, well, last time I did this, here's all the things that it took me in time and money. And do I really want to make that kind of decision again? Or do I want something a, a little bit different? Oh my God. Getting a pet, getting a family <laughs> pet is like. That, that is, let me just put it this way. Can I interest you or anyone in our listening audience in an adorable rabbit that our kids have lost interest in? <laughs> nice. That, did you know that, and this is from the internet, so take it with a grain of salt, but owning a dog costs between $610 and $3,555 per year. That's yeah. a lot. Oh, that's easy. Hey, Matt, don't, do me a favor. Whatever you do, don't look up the cost of owning a horse. Or two horses, as as it might be the case in my family. Hey, that's, hey this is your fault because you moved into a barn. Okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. They didn't, the horses came with the house. Yeah, I, yeah, so, I mean, you, you got to right. heat it somehow. They stay downstairs. The animals are downstairs. You live upstairs, you know, all that kind of thing. Hey, let me ask you this. I, tell, tell me how you handle this with your clients. I've kind of, maybe this is a bad way to ask this because you might be about to tell me like, no, this is dumb, Matt. Don't do it this way. But Probably. what I've tried to do <laughs> is I've tried to kind of, I think you could drive yourself crazy trying to break down all of the costs of every last item in your house, for example. Like how often will I need to do maintenance on my shingles and that kind of thing. You you could really drive yourself up a wall. So what I try to do is for major items, and now that you've given me this one to 2% rule of thumb, I'm definitely using that. For major items, you know, I've tried to foresee, like I know what my property taxes are per year. So I try and keep track of the big stuff. And then for the small stuff, what I've really done in the past, if, if you're interested in knowing what your outgoing is as a budget matter, I just do a running aggregate average, just a running average of this is just what it costs. This is what our life costs. And I decide, does it work for the money we have and the savings we want to achieve or does it not work? And I don't dig into all of those nitty gritty details unless the answer to that first question is no. Is that, how, how do you handle it with clients? What do you tell them? 
But how much time you got? Are we doing like another episode here? <laughs> is my approach reasonable or, your, you know, like... Your approach is extremely reasonable. So it really, it all depends on what you want, where you want to go. And you're at, your question is, hey, if I take the total income and total expenses and it fits my life, it then, yeah. Can I not <laughs> worry about this? Can I not much? worry about it? Then the answer is like clearly, yes, as long as you're saving some money for the future as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's gotta be part of it. But oftentimes we run across like, man, things are expensive and I'm not saving as much as I need. Then you might need to get, it's the second part of your questions. Like it's not quite fitting. So we need to go a little bit deeper. But I do agree with you. We don't get so crazy with the granularity. So let's take the home example one more time. I just have a home maintenance budget. And it's everything just fil- fits in there. Hey, I got to buy water filters three times a year. Yeah, that's in the home upkeep maintenance, 10 grand budget. I need to whatever, replace some light bulbs. Yeah, it's in the home maintenance. I got to hire a contractor. Like it all goes into one bucket and that could be 5,000 a year, 10,000 a year. So you track that over time. So yeah, you don't need too many buckets. And the best thing, Matt, don't have a kid's bucket because yeah, that's just going to balloon out of control. There's a hole in the bucket. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. But what I do take away from this is you might, if you do the overall exercise, am I making enough? Am I saving enough? Can I cover my expenses? And the answer to that last part is, ooh, my expenses are higher. At least what you've just run down here gives you the first go-to of, okay, I'm probably not accounting for ongoing costs enough. And that's the first place you can look to start to get forewarned. Yeah. 100%. All right. I think that takes us out of here. Important show note here. People, if you're listening to this in the Beyond Politics podcast feed, I have no control over what major corporations place ads. I promise you, I did not intentionally have a sponsored by Progressive. It may have just worked out that way. All right. For Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at FinancialPlanningPod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.